The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com. And I'm joined once again, one more time for about a month, John, uh, by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, this is the, and you, you dubbed it, I got to give you credit for this one. This is the off-season finale <laughs> of the Editor's Show. Yeah, well, when we come back, uh, we'll have some more stuff to talk about going into training camp. I'm looking forward to it. That's right. We need a break, too. So to accommodate vacations and stuff, we will be taking a break after this show. We'll be returning in July. More on that as we close the program uh, after our AP editor show Twitter poll. If you like the Arrowhead Pride podcast network, if you like the Arrowhead Pride editor show, please leave us a rating and a review if you do so. We will read it right here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. This week, John, no reviews. No reviews. But I anticipate, as we're taking some time off, we'll have plenty to read when we come back. Yeah. That's the bright side. They'll be complaining because we're taking a vacation. That's right. That's okay. You know what? Everybody needs a little R&R. We're going to come back recharged and and ready to go for, for training camp. So the good thing about no reviews is we can get right into the news. And we start with this. The Chiefs are in the midst of their three-day mandatory minicamp. So voluntary OTAs are a thing of the past. We are focused on the first day of minicamp. That happened on Tuesday. There are two more days of what is mandatory minicamp. And what does mandatory minicamp mean? That means for the first time during the offseason, players have to be there or they are subject to a fine. And so you would think that most guys, even ones that maybe we haven't seen, Chris Jones and Frank Clark, yeah, of course they're going to be there. Wrong, wrong. Only Chris Jones was there. <laughs> Chris Jones uh, was there and, and Frank Clark was not, which I found uh, to be a little surprising. I know that fans were not so thrilled about it to begin the day. And then later, John, it came out that Frank Clark had an excused absence. Yeah, well, we we may. Well, actually, we probably never will find out what that excused absence was about. Um, but it is curious that he wouldn't be there. Uh, what else has he got going on that's more important? Unless it was a court appearance, I suppose. 
Right. But, it could uh, have been. I mean, we don't really yeah. know what happens here is we'll get Andy Reid on on Thursday to to close out what really is the offseason. I can't even believe we're here already, but it'll, yeah. be, it'll be closing out the offseason. Last time we'll speak to him prior to, prior to the, the team's meeting up in St. Joe. It, it's crazy to say, but here we are, June 15th. We'll talk to Andy on Thursday and that'll be it until St. Joe um, to get into more of the attendance, though, for minicamp day one. Orlando Brown Jr. was not there right now. He's technically not on the team, so he is not subject to a fine. Mm-hmm. He ha- he has yeah. to sign his tag and then he'll be back in the mix. When uh, he'd so be he a would... fool to play without a contract, you know, to go out there and risk 100%. Hurt. Right. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't love what's going on with the contract, but I completely understand why he isn't out there at, right. at this point. You're not yeah. going to expect him to be there. Blake Bell uh, was not there. Frank Clark, we mentioned, is an excused absence. Malik Herring, um, Rashad Fenton, uh, to be expected. Fenton continues to rehab his shoulder. They're optimistic for training camp. Justin Ross, uh, another absence for him. He was actually absent the last day of voluntary OTAs as well. Uh, Daryl Williams was absent, but we found out later that he was the other transaction to bring Jarek McKinnon back. We'll get into that in a second. We did see Lucas Niang. Uh, he was in a ball cap, not not working. He continues to rehab. And for the first time this offseason, we did we did catch a glimpse of wide receiver uh, Darius Fountain, though he did appear uh, somewhat limited. I wonder if we'll get some more clarity on that. He had been absent for all of the voluntary OTAs. Watched him yesterday. Looked like he did some warm-ups, but would quickly exit. That was kind of the same treatment that Sky Moore was receiving as he was working back from his hamstring. So I just... I got to think there was something there with Fountain. It is a little bit of speculation mm-hmm. there, but yeah. it, it just seems like uh, it wouldn't have been a player that would have wanted to skip voluntary just because he's still got to prove something to make the team. Sure. And then you saw him limited mandatory. So deductive reasoning would tell you that that Defoe is is going through something. Yeah, that's a that's a fair uh, speculation, a speculative uh, guess there, I think. All right, so let's get into the next thing we want to talk about. Don't forget the second mandatory minicamp will happen on Wednesday. You can check our site for the news and notes and attendance and the press conferences, and we'll post uh, the good good idea by John. We'll post some of my observations onto the page uh, as well. But the next piece of news is, and I thought this was kind of surprising, John, and and I wonder what what you thought about this. The mm-hmm. Chiefs decided to bring Jerick McKinnon back in the mix. And I'll tell you, I remember writing on arrowheadpride.com that Ronald Jones signing meant the end of the Jerick McKinnon era in Kansas City. And to my surprise, the Chiefs bring him back. This has been well received uh, among many fans who thought McKinnon was an underused player in 2021 um, and better than the other running backs the team had on the roster. I'm not sure that's entirely true. If that were the case, I think the Chiefs would have made an effort to bring him back right away rather than wait until this point. Yeah, uh, The fact that other teams haven't picked him up by this point should tell you uh, how he is viewed by other teams in, in terms of his ability uh, as a running back. However, there were moments last season where he looked good, and this is why there's fans who are high on him, is that there were moments where he, he looked really good. Um, and uh, so the Chiefs are just finding out what they can get out of him. I'm sure it's a, a minimum salary deal or maybe even a veteran salary benefit contract. So it's a very low uh, amount of uh, investment to bring him back and provide a little additional com- uh, competition in the running back room. So it's it's a positive move. 
Uh, I'm just not sure that it means what some fans think it means. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm a little, I was a little confused by this. I, I did think that once Jones was on the roster, that it meant the end of McKinnon for one reason or another. Now, I also feel that at the end of last year, Jarek McKinnon was by far the best running back on the team. And regardless uh, of how you get to the the team, and it, it doesn't matter if you're a first rounder, it doesn't matter if you're an undrafted free agent holdover like a Darrell Williams, for example, I, I think you got to go with the best back in the playoffs. And I think the Chiefs identified him, which is why it was strange to me that it took so long. And I wonder if McKinnon was really testing the market and then eventually kind of realized, well, based upon usage and whatnot, the team that would find me the most valuable was the team I was with, with the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, where it gets interesting for me is the numbers game. And when you're talking about a 53-man roster, it's not just the numbers in the running back room, which, as we know, the depth is wild. You have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. We talked about Ronald Jones. You have Derek Gore. The draft pick and Isaiah Pacheco, Jerry and Ely has flashed a little bit. Tayon Fleet Davis is another guy that is in the mix. That's probably more of a practice squad candidate. Now, where it becomes interesting is you have a very, very deep wide receiver room. We all agree the Chiefs are keeping six receivers, don't we? Right? That yeah, mm-hmm. we know that like there's enough talent there where you're going to find six receivers to to keep on the roster. I know the Chiefs like Blake Bell, right? So if you're assuming that, they're not going to get rid of Noah Gray. We know that they're not going to get rid of Jody Fortson. They sure as hell are not going to get rid of Travis Kelsey. That's already 10 players. Mm-hmm. If you Then you count a fullback, right? So mm-hmm. now you're at 11. You're probably only keeping three running backs. So I say to myself, okay, well, who are the definites that they're keeping? This is going to be a little bit of my own speculation, and this is just how I feel. I think Clyde Edwards-Elair is a lock. You're not cutting a first-rounder. I think Isaiah Pacheco is a lock. I think Brett Veach was very, very high on Pacheco. He said before the draft, mm. he's very honest. I think uh, He thinks a 1,000-yard rusher is coming on day three, right? So that leaves one spot for McKinnon, Jones, and to me, Derek Gore. I got to think Derek Gore is out of that mix just because I don't know if you're bringing back McKinnon and bringing in Jones. I think the hard cut is going to be between McKinnon and Jones. And I did not anticipate even dreaming about that once they brought Ronald Jones back. But I'm as you're going through the numbers, it it's hard to make sense of the room and how many they can keep. Otherwise, now I could be wrong. You, you keep one less offensive lineman and maybe you keep four running backs and all four of them are there. But you're getting awfully tight when it comes to the offensive side of the football, especially given the fact that like, you go to the other side, you have a million defensive backs to choose from, right? You, you can make a consideration for keeping an extra one there. So uh, it, it is number-breaking season, especially as we get back. Uh, date is going to be in, in mid-July uh, for us to come back, but it, it's hard to wrap my head around what happens here in the running back room now. Oh, yeah, it's going to be tough, but, you know, we have this discussion every year. They always seem to have more running backs than they've got spots on the roster. And um, so this is not a a surprising development. I think they like it this way. I think they like having to make hard decisions because that means they've got some talented guys in there. I'm not as high on McKinnon as a lot of people are. Uh, Yes, he was the feature back in the playoffs. And yes, I think that he earned that opportunity with some of the things that he did during the regular season. But I think it's easy to forget 
that there were some injury issues with the other running backs during the postseason. And I think that had as much to do with McKinnon being the feature back as anything else. And people want to forget that because they like McKinnon and they like what they saw from him during the season last year. And that's fine. But I, I think that that we might be overvaluing him a little bit. I If I had to choose between Jones and McKinnon, I think I'd go with Jones at this point with what now, we now know. The injury point is, is valid. And I also think like when you have someone on the open market and they were able to do what they, they were in the playoffs where you had all these touches and, mm-hmm. you know, for 300 yeah. yards, and then the league speaks to you a little bit, right? No one hired McKinnon based on that. And so, you know, it is possible that the league doesn't really value McKinnon as as high as the the Kansas City Chiefs do. It'll be a, another interesting room that I, I think is going to involve a, a tough cut. I mean, I, I think mm-hmm. that Derek Gore, as high as, you know, some diehard Chiefs fans are, I think he, he'll be safely on the practice squad. So you can make a case, I guess, for four running backs. You're just getting really tight with all those numbers. Sure. I just don't know how they do it, especially if you're trying to keep even – offense and and even defense it's something to watch the player who was released or i should say waived uh, as mckinnon was brought back was the center daryl williams who's been trying to work his way to the chiefs active roster i think they like williams as a potential backup center but now you also have austin Ryder mm-hmm. in the mix i don't know what happens with williams if I'm going with my gut, I tend to think that there, there's going to be a way for him to be back on the 90 man by training camp. Maybe they just, it was a numbers thing, but you never know. It also could be, could be the end of the road just because you did bring Ryder back in the mix. But you know, Ryder stands out to me as a guy. Yeah. You know, part of the Super Bowl team and everything, but they've never been really completely satisfied with Ryder. So I wonder if there's a numbers thing where Williams just ends up in it's not an exciting battle, but the battle for backup center, I, I, I think he could potentially be a candidate there still, even though he's not currently on the roster. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up on the practice squad again this year. Yeah. Uh, even after, you know, he could end up sitting uh, on his sofa the rest of the off season. And yeah. then when the season begins, they could put him on the practice squad. It's hard to, it's hard to undervalue a guy who knows the system and that you believe has some potential. And he wouldn't have been on the practice squad the last couple of years if the Chiefs didn't see some potential. Yeah. All of that said, however, it could easily be the end of the line for Darrell Williams. We'll just have to see how it plays out. Yeah. I mean, the, the Chiefs are, are quick with the numbers, too, after these camps. We saw some weird moves happen before. Uh, camps before recently and then mm-hmm. it sort of readjusted after the camp so i don't know the chiefs could have said daryl continue to work out we'll we'll figure this thing out after camp but uh again remains to be seen we'll see what happens with daryl williams an interesting prospect has has center upside it doesn't really seem like a starter but we've realized in kansas city over the years like you gotta have good backups at every yeah. position so <laughs> yeah. might as well get him back in the mix if there's there's room all right uh all the chiefs rookies are now signed. This was something that was going to happen no matter what. They're with the wage scales now of the draft picks. It, there's not a ton of haggling that goes on. It's just contract language. But every Chiefs draft pick has now signed. I believe Scott Moore was the last one, right, John? Yes, that, that mm-hmm. signed. that's right. Yeah. Okay, so uh, nothing really to say about that there. Um, George Karloftis, I thought this was interesting. I wrote it up yesterday for Arrowhead Pride. Karloftis revealed during his presser that he – showed up to camp 10 to 15, or I should say 
did his pre-draft work and it was 10 to 15 pounds lighter than he played uh, during college. This had to be a, a recommendation from a trainer, uh, maybe talking to some pro team trainers and, and how they want you to necessarily you know be built as you enter the pro ga- game. And I, I don't know, like here's where I'm at with Carl Loftus. Um, I don't know if he's going to pan out and I, I really don't know. I don't, know if anybody knows that but i think everything that he's doing to give it his 110 percent shot i mean you talk about effort and you look at past draft picks like breland speaks and showing up out of shape uh i, I saw that in the comments history like they're right like Karloff, this is the exact opposite of breland speaks yeah. you know <laughs> right um, just is going to do everything in his power to try to be a day one contributor to be a lasting guy in this league uh, you can tell that all he wants to do even after camp breaks on Thursday is go train again. He comes off like a robot. Uh, if he has production, he, he is going to be one of the fan favorites uh, in, mm-hmm. in Kansas city. I mean, I could just already tell that. Uh, and so I just like I, I like mentioning that the, the 10 to 15 pounds of, of loss, it's not easy to lose 10 to 15 pounds, maybe a little easier when you're 275, like Karloff, this was at, at Purdue, but still, I, I think, to say, okay, uh, I am sort of this power rusher and I, I want to be a little bit more nimble so I could have a, a better plan, I think speaks to Karloff as uh, the player and also sort of knowing that on day one, he has this rare opportunity where he's going to be a starter, right? We already know that. Mm-hmm. And I think he's grabbing the bull by the horns, which is, I thought was good to see. So. Well, I, I think it's hard to say that it's bad advice to uh to have a guy who's going to come into the league as with his with his high motor as his calling card which is what we're talking about with Karloftis to lose some weight if if high motor is going to be what what gets you work and makes you effective on the defensive line i think you want to be as trim as you can be and uh so i think he got some good advice to shed some of the weight he had in college there's some evidence that uh, that he was a little more nimble earlier in his career before he put on the weight uh, after being a, a, a swimming, <laughs> a, a water polo player uh, where he didn't need that weight. He became a football player. They said, you need to bulk up. And now I think he's getting the right advice to to come back down a little bit because uh, his speed, his motor is the calling card and the, that extra weight isn't going to help him there. Yeah. I, I like our uh, already. And, uh, it's an easy guy to root for because you can just, you can simply tell just how hard he's going mm-hmm, and, and working. Sure. And you, you, you'd hope to assume that from every draft pick, but I, over the years, it really isn't always the case. So uh, a good first start, I, I think for, for Karloftis. Okay. Here's a, another story, John Juju Smith Schuster was in Pittsburgh doing a charity event over the weekend. And he essentially said that, he wouldn't rule out a, a return to Pittsburgh as a soft spot in his heart for Pittsburgh. He's only on a one-year deal with the chiefs. Should chiefs fans care about this? What do you think? I, I'm not worried about it. I mean, he's on a one-year deal in Kansas city. I don't think anybody <laughs> realistically believes that he's, you know, going to be with the team again uh, after this season. If he does well, uh, he'll end up getting a contract with another team, I expect, for quite a bit more money than the Chiefs are probably going to want to pay him. Uh, if he doesn't do well, nobody's going to want to keep him. I mean, I, I just don't see why this is a, a problem for Chiefs fans. Um, 
yeah, it's always discomforting to hear one of your players talking about what's after uh, their time with your team. I, I can see that, right. but realistically, that's what you should expect, especially when he's back in Pittsburgh talking to the media there. Uh, we talked about this briefly yesterday between us, Pete, that, uh, you know, it's pretty common for NFL players to forget that when they say something in a different market, it doesn't make its way back to, to the, to home base, uh, which is what happened with Tony Gonzalez. And, uh, you know, he said something to reporters in Atlanta that got blown way out of proportion by the time it made its way back to Kansas City. Yeah, so no, uh, if I if, if I was our friend, you know, Ted Cruz or, or Brad G of, of Chiefs Public Relations, yeah, I would yeah. I would talk to every player and be like, all right, here's the Tony G rule. Remember, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> your quotes go everywhere. Yeah, it, the exact yeah. quote from Juju was and, and this was in Pittsburgh. I could see myself back here even Sunday. This shows a lot that I still have fans out here coming to support me. Uh, similar to Tyreek last week being back. These were. Probably this was probably like a pre-scheduled event before sure. he sort yeah. of knew where mm-hmm. he was going to land. That was been on the calendar for a while, so he's back in Pittsburgh doing it. Had a good time there. I think stories like this become more common as the NFL goes on. There's like I don't know. There was a time in in NFL history where Patrick uh, a Patrick Mahomes and a Josh Allen would have never played golf together and laughed and mm-hmm. yeah, just never wanted to be in the same room. And I just you know, for better or for worse, I, I think a lot of that as the years have gone on, it just go just went away. I mean, you see a tight end summit, a pass rusher summit, mm-hmm. you have a kicker summit. Yeah. These guys are helping each other, even though they're going to be playing them twice a year. There's a little bit less, I think, of that supreme team. You're my enemy pride. Now, I think once the games start, it things change. Like I go back to the Richard Sherman Baker Mayfield thing where he's just making up in his head and gets confused of like just trying to get a mean streak <laughs> against Baker Mayfield. I, I very much think the on the field product and, and those, you know, 60 minutes are, are different. But, you know, when they get off the field, they kind of uh, they're a little bit more free flowing. They have their own channels, their own personality. I don't think you, you killed Juju for this. What I have said it yeah, probably not. Right. I don't think I. but uh, it's it's reality I, he knows mm-hmm. he's on a one-year yeah. deal yeah what would have to happen for him to really stay in kansas city it 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 would not be a really great year because he's going to overprice himself it would not right. be a really bad year because the chiefs wouldn't be interested so he would have to have like a middling mm-hmm. year reality is this is probably a one and done for juju so let's just enjoy him while we have him and then he'll go back to pittsburgh i guess all right uh, John, let's get into the pro football focus roundup. You've been on this for us. Uh, running backs and receivers this week. Running backs were among the league's worst in the PFF rankings, and wide receivers fell somewhere in the middle of the pack. Yeah, this isn't terribly surprising. Um, you know, it wasn't just Chiefs fans who thought it was crazy for the Chiefs to take a running back in the first round a couple of years ago. Uh, and that's followed Clyde Edwards Alaire ever since. Um, I, you know, the figures show that he's been a a decent running back, but he has such high expectations that uh, because of that first round pick that was expended to get him, um, that his production doesn't carry as much weight as it probably should. Uh, So uh, in a place like PFF, we'll look at the Chiefs running back room with a player like Edward Zolaire and then Ronald Jones, who had kind of similar production uh, as Edward Zolaire last year. Um, And 
it doesn't look like a very good running back room. I think that it'll be better than near the bottom of the league, but uh, it wasn't really an unreasonable take to rank them so lowly, com- uh, so low compared to some other teams. You know, it's funny. The, yeah, yeah, just quickly, quickly on the running backs. You know, it's funny. I think that these expectations for Clyde have been so high, mm-hmm. and for the running back room, and even Jones. Before Fournette got there in Tampa, people really thought Jones and, and mm-hmm. you know, he would be so yeah. high. So now you got mm-hmm. this tandem of Edwards Elaire and, and Jones. McKinnon was great for the, in the playoffs, but no one really expects much of him now. You have Derek Gore, who, besides out of Kansas City, really just a, a, a no name. And so mm-hmm. it's the opposite, right? Like this is all the pressure is off. <laughs> really, right. it's going to be on the receivers and Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes to do it without Tyreek. So if if there was ever a year where man just breathe it in and do what you can and let's see what you can really do and the spotlight isn't really on you anymore i mean I, pff rankings whatever you want to say some people like them some people don't right uh, i tend to like pff when it helps my point I, when it doesn't <laughs> i i just don't even i pretend it doesn't exist well, but yeah you, i mean use you're it like motiv- everybody yeah <laughs> use it as motivation the pressure is now off in, yeah. the, in the running back room anyway go ahead john on the receiver and then on the wide receivers again not a bad point um you know you lose your number one wide out and uh, yes you can make a strong argument that the chiefs have uh substantially raised the floor of the of the group with these uh, acquisitions that they've made but there's still a lot of unknowns about it and it's going to be different difficult to really measure uh what the group is going to look like in terms of production until the season gets underway i think it's completely fair to say that the chiefs have raised the floor of the room i also think it's completely fair to say that we don't really know how things are going to go so i thought that was a fair ranking on pff's part nobody knows what this receiver room is going to be and it's hard to even judge middle feels right right now Mm mm-hmm the reality is like one of these receivers is going to have a thousand yards. And yeah. if you include McCole Hardman in there and say they use him in a similar way as like that wide back, I mean, he might have a thousand yards from scrimmage uh, receiving and rushing combined. And is you know, that in a way roundabout way, you know, is two 1000 yard receivers. And so maybe it's, I don't know if it's ever going to be top 10, but maybe it's more in the 10, 15 than the 15, 20. If you're looking at the, the, the middle of the league, I mean, your, your number one receiver in, in Kansas City is Travis Kelsey, and I, I don't think that's changing this year. But one of these guys is going to emerge, and you know, you you look at them, and they look like middle-of-the-road receivers by default. Like Patrick Mahomes is going to have about 5,000 yards. One of these guys is going to have 1,000 yards. Right. So mm-hmm. yeah. once you factor that in, that starts to be, I think, more in the upper echelon of the league than, than below. All right, that's PFF. Uh, Pro Football Focus. We'll continue to cover those rankings as we see them uh, at arrowheadpride.com. Good news for you out-of-town Chiefs fans, and that is that all of the Chiefs preseason games will be carried L-I-V-E live on NFL Network. That includes Saturday, August 13th at the Bears. That's at noon Arrowhead time. Saturday, August 20th, Washington. That's at 3 p.m. Arrowhead time. I'm I'm never going to get used to, to Commander's. I'm never going to get used to it. <laughs> Although I, I did somehow get used to the football team, so maybe I will at some point. Yeah. Uh, and then 
what's interesting about the preseason is you get this built-in short week, which I I anticipate that Adrian kind of likes. I, I would think to an extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, after August twentieth, five days later, they play the Green Bay Packers, and and that's at Arrowhead Stadium at seven p.m. So you get almost a mimic of Thursday night football with an extra day built in, but they can really mimic what would be a, a short week. And I know that Andy Reid likes to practice everything. Uh, and so uh, that'll be good for when the Chiefs have to do that pretty immediately uh, in the NFL season when they have the Arizona Cardinals on Sunday and you get one of the biggest games of the year uh, four days later when they play the uh, L.A. Chargers at Arrowhead Stadium on Amazon Prime. Well, you know, I've made this point uh, a couple of times now, and I'm going to repeat it just because I think it's important that uh, the Chiefs are going to have this short week before an important game in week two, but they're going to have extra time to prepare for both opponents. And I think this this is kind of like having a a short week after a bye week uh, because you've had you've got a little extra time so you can spend a little time working on both of these upcoming opponents so that you've got a good solid game plan for both of them. Now, of course, the rest of the teams are going to have extra time uh, to that same extra time, at least the ones that play on Thursday night in the final week of preseason. Um, but they aren't going to have this this short turnaround in week two staring them in the face, except for the Chargers. So uh, I think this is going to be a well-used time for the Chiefs, and I think, I think it'll help uh, reduce the impact of that short week in that week two game. This is the second year in a row where it seems like there's almost a vacation in between the last mm-hmm. preseason game and the first game. I mean, even for the teams that are playing on Thursday night, uh, the Bills and the Rams, I mean, that's the Chiefs' last preseason game is two weeks before that game. And then they, you know, the Chiefs have another three days after that. So it's a 17 day break. It's just, I don't. They've built that in. Uh, I mean, it, it is kind of nice. I'm not going to complain about it, but it, mm-hmm. it's. I guess it just pushes everything back a little bit, especially when you add in that extra game. That's weird scheduling thing. I don't know. When you work in football, you're always into these scheduled things. And I, I guess I'm just not exactly sure why the, <laughs> why the extra week exists. Hey, but I, I, I like it. So uh, thank you. I, I think it's to- one of those things they did because of the pandemic. And, and for, kept for, it. for one of the, for whatever reason, they decided it would be good to have that extra weekend there. I think they did it the first time last year and it was sort of a pandemic related thing because they were still wrestling with all that stuff. Well, and, one inside football thing that I love is the fact that cuts are no longer on Labor Day weekend. Right. I mean, that, that was right. kind of brutal for people covering the stuff. So. Right. And, and, and I think that once they did it, then they liked it. I think it's the same thing with the practice squad size. Yeah. You know, they were going to push it up to 14 players this year. And then because of the pandemic, they pushed it up to 16 players uh, temporarily. And the coaches are like, hey, we love this. Mm. This gives us, you know, some extra players that we can bring in if we need them. And so now it's 16 players, uh, two more than they than they'd agreed upon for in the 2020 CBA. And I think there's several things like that that started in the pandemic and the coaches liked them. And, and so now they're permanent. Uncle Dave Tobe loves all the pandemic rules. He, I mean, he, yeah. he says the mm-hmm. more practice squad players and special team. Right. Players. Yeah. If it was up to him. There'd be a seven team special team practice squad that can only play <laughs> special teams on Sunday. All right. Another piece of news. Someone said this week, Tua is a more accurate quarterback than Patrick Mahomes. Really? That, that's a topic we're not going to spend any time on. But mandatory minicamp day one has happened. I have my takeaways next. You're listening to the Arrowhead Pride Editors Show. 
Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon. This is the off-season finale of the AP Editor Show. We'll be taking a little break. We'll have the details on when we'll be back toward the end of the program. But right now, we're here with you talking about mandatory minicamp day one. I have five takeaways, John, and I'll let you comment on each one as I go through them. I thought that, and this was the story sort of of, of the Tuesday workout, I thought that it was interesting that wide receiver McCole Hardman struggled a little bit with Patrick Mahomes. Now he'd been out with a hamstring mm-hmm. trying, just trying to get back, uh, you know, through the voluntary work. I know that he had been down in, in Texas with Mahomes. Uh, the good thing is the hamstrings for these guys uh, who, who you were worried about, McCole Hardman and Sky Moore, they look like they're moving fine now. I, I was, I had mentioned on previous shows that I'd been worried about Moore and Hardman, and it would be nice to see them working through it. And they, they are. They look okay. Sky Moore's wearing a compression on his left thigh, whereas McColl is going with the full leg compression. So there's, I guess, just different ways to manage the hamstring injury. But I think it was good to see Hardman in a big year for him when it comes to his contract and just simply being the top receiver now as far as – uh, seniority goes and and you know staying power as far as being here in Kansas City big year for him he struggled a little bit and then really put it together after <laughs> he got so frustrated he flanged his helmet down uh, and then he picked it up and uh, and put it back on and and once he got his hat back on he, he played pretty well I thought on the first day of mandatory minicamp well, I don't find this real surprising. You know he was uh, basically out throughout the voluntary portion of OTAs, right? And he's got all this pressure on him coming in as the uh, as the primary receiver, the most experienced receiver on the team. And so suddenly he's got the spotlight on him, uh, you know, in front of reporters and everybody in mandatory minicamp. He hasn't had the opportunity to to kind of ease his way into his new role. And uh, the the spotlight was just a little too bright for a minute. And credit to him for, uh, you know, turning it around, putting his hat back on and getting back to work and making it happen. So I'm not terribly worried about him. I am not convinced he's going to be uh, a big contributor for the Chiefs this year. I'm not convinced he's going to be the guy that gets a 1,000 yards. As you noted before, there will be somebody who gets that 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 number of yards of catching passes from Patrick Mahomes, uh, but he could. And uh, so I'm I'm pulling for him. Um, but I just think this was a, a big moment for him and it was just got to be a little bit too big and, and he'll learn from that. And that's a good thing. I also think that there's something to the reporters being in there. I mean, I, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. things are going to get out that don't get out when the reporters are not there. So a little bit of yeah. pressure there, but good for Hardman. I continue to wonder if this is the last year for him in Kansas city. Hard to believe that the chiefs would give him a Kirk Christian Kirk Jaguars contract if he was able to get close to a thousand yards and you know in the open market that might be what it takes and then if he has a poor year who knows if the Chiefs move on I don't know if Hardman would be willing to take like in those years that you would say less productive that Robinson had for example where he tests the open market and then comes back to the Chiefs for, for cheap I don't sense that either similar really to Juju you just wonder if this is the last year of Hardman in Kansas City and if it is uh, he has the ultimate motivation to be as productive as possible. Absolutely. Yeah. Wide receivers are making their money in the NFL. That was one thing he said yesterday. I mean, he knows the market has been set and, you know, we've talked about it before 
what he has in his hands is a high upside lottery ticket. We go to the the store, John, and we have one in a billion chance. Hardman, if he puts in the work and has a thousand yards, is making a lot mm-hmm. of money. So there's plenty of motivation uh, for Hardman this year. All right, next observation: uh, MVS continues to look the best to me. I I've said it on Twitter. I've gotten fantasy people to be like, don't listen to this guy. I've, I've <laughs> fans have been like, what are you talking about? What, what about Justin <laughs> Ross? Uh, well, you know, um, Ross hasn't been on the field. We mentioned that he was absent. Now the last two media looks, we'll see if he's out there uh, when I head out there today. It's about nine thirty six a.m. on Wednesday. I'm going to be heading out there shortly. We'll see if uh, Ross is there, but MBS continues to have the best rapport of the new pass catchers with Patrick Mahomes. The theme is continued. They look very, very comfortable together. There was this moment yesterday and you know this is how andy reed must feel watching this stuff you know i tried to put myself in andy reed's shoes mvs and trent mcduffie one-on-one during a team drill high point the ball mvs got the ball clean and you know what it's one of those things where you're like oh man mvs looks great but shoot you know this is the thing with mcduffie and his size at 510 you have McDuffie, who's 5'10", versus a 6'4", MVS, and you have a one-on-one ball situation, of course, you'd expect MVS to come down with it. But that's it's one of those moments. And look, it's shorts. It's early when mm-hmm. you – it's a non-contact. McDuffie's known for press, right? So when it's non-contact, you can't bash right. him at the line as much as you would during an, a game where you know he could really go after – I'm picturing Keenan Allen. And, yes, Keenan Allen will tower over him. But he can beat him up at the line. You can't do that uh, at these practices. But still, it's those moments where you're like, see, this is interesting. Uh, I, it did cross my mind that like, that, like simultaneous MBS looks pretty good. Uh oh, this could be the McDuffie size thing. And it, 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 I'm not saying, look, like I'm not standing here and being like, oh, all of a sudden McDuffie is a bust. But it just, <laughs> it, it did ring a bell in my mind. Like, this is, I think, what a lot of people worried about, really. Well, you can't help but have those thoughts. But the bottom line is that the offense always has the advantage in the NFL, yes. even on game day, and especially in an OTA practice and a mandatory minicamp practice because there's no contact. And that's one of the ways that that's one of the equalizers for cornerbacks is that they get they get that free shot at the line and uh, and that helps them uh a shorter guy like McDuffie play. And so, um, yeah, I, I'm going to favor MVS in that matchup, but I also think MVS is going to be a much better player than people realize. I think that he was he looks great. overshadowed in green Bay, green Bay wanted him back. It's not like they let this guy go. One of the reasons the chiefs gave him a contract that seemed pretty high is because green Bay wanted him. And so the, the numbers kept going up. So uh, I, this isn't a situation where a guy uh, left the team after his rookie contract because he didn't produce. Green Bay wanted him to stick around, especially without Devontae Adams on the team. And I think the Chiefs identified this as a guy that could who could be uh, productive with Patrick Mahomes. And I think we're going to find out whether they were right or not. Yeah, this was something that and they put him up at the podium. I, I think it was last week, but I asked him uh, something to the extent of like, how much did your role go into coming to the chiefs and he, he said a lot right mm-hmm. so i think they had these conversations of like and you've kind of heard it as much as the chiefs will give you pr wise with andy Reid and and joe blymeyer like we don't think green bay was 
making the most of them <laughs> without, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, as, in yeah. as many words. And so we're going to, and I mean, I watch this guy and I know it's in shorts. Like I always preface it with that. I just don't know how he was available for this price. That's how he has looked so far to me. I think he early on, he's your, your thousand yard pass catcher after Kelsey. And you know, that's a, a tease for our AP poll later on in the program. <laughs> Next observation <laughs> Uh, George Karloftis, so far so good uh, to me as far as a day one contributor. This is another position where, you know, you can only tell, tell so much in in shorts, but I he never he never stops. Uh, this whole thing about like him and Andy Reid, them having to slow him down because he goes 100 miles an hour. Uh, I I believe the fans are going to be out there today. I oh, can only man. imagine what he's going to be doing. You know, with the fans out there. Uh, today but he just goes a, a million miles an hour uh on a speed rush he would have got to Mahomes easy of course he runs by him there was that moment if you listen to from the podium in the press conference where i sort of asked about that and he's like i will never touch patrick mahomes it seems like <laughs> this has been a very clear coaching point from defensive line coach joe cullen like listen dude whatever you do i don't give a damn stay the <laughs> hell away from patrick Mahomes. but so far so good i mean that that's what i'll say uh only such in shorts, but I think for this point, I like what I what I have seen, and they're going to need him to be that guy opposite Frank Clark. So good to see. I'm already excited about Carl Aftis. I, I, you know, I'm just I love this high motor stuff. Yeah, you know, I guess I guess it comes naturally from uh, from watching Jared Allen and a couple of other Chiefs players we've had over the years that have really caught my fancy because they worked mm-hmm. so hard and they played so hard. And uh, so I'm excited about this kid, um, whether or not that'll be enough to succeed in the NFL. It's hard to say, but uh, you sure got to love seeing it on the practice field at this point of the season. Yeah, no, I, I can't wait to get to training camp when you start to have these padded practices. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Those OLDL drills. Mm-hmm. Th- that's going to be very telling. I, I think, cause I, you know, I think the chief's offensive line is pretty good. So we'll see what Karloftis can do. I, I have sights in my mind of Karloftis just making Andrew Wiley look silly. I'm sorry, sorry, Andrew. You are not your Madden rating, as you say in your, your Twitter profile. Okay, uh, the Chiefs, uh, here's my next point. The Chiefs may like fourth-rounder Joshua Williams more than we anticipated. They've been working with him a lot. I, I think he'll, he'll be in the mix. I think if you're trying to figure out like the Chiefs 53 and you're going through it in your mind, not to say that Williams was going to be cut but I, I think the Chiefs like him after what would be Rashad Fenton and, and the fact that Fenton has been out helps Williams mm-hmm. because I think he yeah. gets a lot of those reps and so I think he is just somebody to watch and talk about Brett Veach and day three defensive backs I, I think he might have got one here we'll see he certainly has the size uh, this is where you win and this is where you win later in, in the draft is these small schools and if your scouts can identify against not so great competition necessarily but we see those traits this is where you get a guy like hilarious Sneed. uh and i i think and i'm not going to sit here again and promise that williams is going to be Sneed, but i just think he's more of a player to watch than maybe we we gave him credit for coming out of the the hbcu fayetteville state uh i think he could be someone that 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 comes out of the, the woodwork uh that that maybe we should pay attention to well it it's reasonable to have that expectation because Veach has done this so often now. He's found all these 
uh, guys from small schools and late rounds and turned yeah. them into contributors. Um, I think it's entirely reasonable to to think we could get that out of Joshua Williams. Can't count on it. No, of course not. There's a lot uh, going to be going against him, but I think it's okay to be confident that uh, that there's a good chance. Juan Thornhill, this is my last observation, Juan Thornhill during the Tuesday presser guaranteed an all-pro season. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Uh, that's that's some, that's one of the my my pedisms is the more WWE the better. I love walking up there <laughs> and guaranteeing anything, just guarantee anything and we will write it and you will be held to that for better or for worse. But I I like the confidence and why not? I mean, a big part of this is Juan Thornhill no longer having to worry about Daniel Sorensen eating his snaps at the beginning of the year. I I think he finally Mm -hmm. knows he's going to be a week one starter next to Justin Reed and he'll have those opportunities. And I don't know. I I think in when Thornhill has his opportunities and he's able to get in a rhythm, I I think he's a guy that can force turnovers and he's a threat like that. And, you know, maybe more so to me than, than maybe a Matthew even was, uh, at the end of his Chiefs career, it seemed like they were thrown away from Matthew a little bit. So maybe that's unfair. But I, I like Thornhill and his ball hawk ability. And if he gets that going, that sometimes is the key of, of people getting on the radar of these all-pro voters is, is mm-hmm. the interceptions yeah. and the pass breakups and those old-school style stats. And why not? I, I like the confidence. And, and if there's ever a year to do it, it's when Matthew moves on and, and you're now the guy. Is it uh, too early to refer to him as Broadway Juan Thornhill? I, don't, I, I like don't that. Yeah, that's <laughs> I don't, I, probably a little too early. Yes, I would yeah, say probably a little right early here in June 15th. But I'm but I wanted to get that out there so I could claim it later if it, if yeah. it comes to pass. You know, you know how this works. Yes, I, I love the confidence, too. And yeah, it's you know, it's a lot to go from where he is to being an all pro player. But all these all pro players started somewhere and ended up there. So, you know, you gotta, you gotta love that the guy has the confidence to put that out there and to have that as a goal, uh, to not just be, yeah, I'm an NFL player. Great. All right, let's go play. No, I want to be one of the best NFL players and you have to love that. And, and I do love that, uh, Broadway one. Yeah, I was, I've been, <laughs> I've been wondering who's going to, step into the huddles right after Eric Berry it was Tyron Matthew now after Tyron Matthew who's it going to be I wonder if Thornhill's the the pregame huddle guy at this point I mean I, mm-hmm. I think it'll be some combination of Chris Jones and a defensive back whether it be Justin Reed or, or Juan Thornhill I bet you Thornhill gets into that mix I think he's really enjoying the fact and not so much that Tyron is gone I think they had a great relationship like I don't want that to be confused but I think he's really enjoying the fact that now he gets to finally be the man after so many mm-hmm. years in the league. Sure. And one thing that's, that's benefiting him, especially this off season is, is it's really the first time he's like truly without an injury uh, in yeah. his NFL career. And so he's, he's juiced up and I, I love the guarantee. We'll see if he can, can finish it off Two bonus takeaways, John uh, seeing players react to Patrick Mahomes. No look pass for the first time. Never gets old. A new player comes to Kansas city. They're, they can't believe it. They, for example, they've played with Big Ben all their career, and Big Ben has never thrown a no look pass in his career <laughs> in his life. And then Mahomes does it, and and Juju is is in awe and saying wow and tapping the guy next to him like, did you just see that? It's like, yeah, Juju. Maybe maybe you shouldn't go back to Pittsburgh and play with Mitch Trubisky <laughs> or Kenny Pickett. Maybe this is kind of nice, right? This no look thing. So can't wait to to see Juju catch that first uh, first no look pass, and then. Secondly, and I'm going to go very quick here because I don't want the tweets. 
I'm back on Josh Gordon. <laughs> I am. I believe well, the again. No, the no look pass was to J- Josh Gordon, right? Yeah, it was that, that yeah. that's a good connection. I didn't even make yeah. that connection, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think, I think he's going to be one of the receivers to make the team and we'll see if the year calendar year sort of right. Or it wouldn't be a calendar year, but it, it would be like eight or nine months makes a difference instead of just being here for a couple of weeks and then having to get in the playbook and get a rapport and whatever. I, I don't know. He, he looks different. Andy Reid has said, so the other players are saying, so McCall had some good comments on Josh Gordon yesterday. If you want to, again, go back to from the podium and that's it. I'm not going to say anymore. All right. Days two and three of mandatory mini camp are to come. Uh, check out our updates on attendance. We'll have another from the podium on the Arrowhead pride podcast network, the attendance updates, the observations, all at arrowheadpride.com. I'll post, the observations, of course, to my Twitter feed as well. When we come back, we will wrap up this portion of the editor show and talk about what is to be expected between right now, as we're talking to you, and the next time we'll talk to you in July. Stay with us. You're listening to the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. Final 10, 15 minutes for about a month. More on that in a second. What is to be expected between now, as we're, we're talking here on the off-season finality of, of the uh, finality? The, I hope not finality the off-season finale <laughs> of the editor's show uh, here uh, on on June 15th and what will be 720. So we'll be back on 720 uh, where we'll preview training camp. That's July 20th. Uh, so what is to happen between now and then? First of all, it's Orlando Brown and the contract signing. So we know this is coming. Some kind of Some kind of resolution, conclusion to this chapter of Orlando Brown is coming, whether that be, I believe him playing on the franchise tag, which, you know, it's been a little wishy-washy if he would do that. I don't think he's going to sit out a year. We've talked about that here or what would be a long-term contract for Orlando Brown. So in our break of the editor's show, this should come down at some point. So as it stands today, John, how do you see this going? Well, uh, I think I've thought all along, they're going to sign into a long-term deal. I don't think that, I don't think Brett Veach wants to, have this guy play here for a year. And Willie agrees with me. That's yeah, Willie. Willie, the Willie, Willie is, is <laughs> sure that uh, Orlando Brown will be a chief. Thank yeah, you, Willie. Willie. Settle down, buddy. 
Um, yeah, I, I think that's where this is going to end up. Um, and I, I'm, I'm encouraged by the fact that he's finally got an agent there. I was not encouraged by some of his remarks. Uh, didn't think they helped the situation, but uh, I, I still think that's where this ends up. So, again, we'll be back on July 20th. The deadline for this is July 15th. So mm-hmm. that'll be the day that, that we'll be watching. And by the time the next time we do another show, John, we'll know one way or another where this goes. I I know it's not popular. I just tend to think he plays in the franchise tag still. I think it'll be better for the Chiefs if they figure out what would be a shorter long-term deal, like maybe three or four years, and you can get out of it if it's not working out or whatever. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just... I just sense he's going to be, especially with the agent hiring and like not wanting to be friends with the GMs. Like that to me screams, you're going to go find me the contract I'm looking for or else we're not signing. And so you hope it doesn't get dicey, but I'm, it, it's just a wait and see thing. So we'll see what happens uh, once that deadline you know comes to pass. And then after that, if they are able to figure it out, you know, in the best case scenario, a long term contract would free up X amount of money. And I wonder if at that point the Chiefs go and get a veteran defensive end. If there's one gaping hole right now, it seems like on this roster, it's just a little bit more veteran leadership in the defensive line room at defensive end specifically. There are still some names out there like Jason Pierre-Paul and Carlos Dunlap. Justin Houston's out there. Not that I think that Justin Houston's going to come back to Kansas City. Alex Okafor seems like, hey, why not? We do, why don't we do this again? Uh, Robert Quinn uh, and his 18 and a half sacks. He seems disgruntled in Chicago right now. He's not going to mandatory minicamp and what is an unexcused absence. So who knows? Maybe Brett calls up his, his old friend, Ryan Poles, who is now the GM in Chicago and they get a, a deal done. We, we have not seen any shortage of Brett Veach being aggressive in the past. And so that would be a rather aggressive move, but one that would certainly move the needle for us at arrowheadpride.com, which we love and a much needed, I think, addition to what's, what does still seem like uh, it's a position that is definitely like missing something. Mm -hmm. And so if there's two things I'm looking for between again, now and July 20th ish, it is the Orlando Brown contract and maybe another defensive end in the mix. Yeah, I'm kind of interested in this Robert Quinn idea. Um, you know, there was talk about this uh, back when free agency began that he might be on the trading block and nothing happened. Uh, I think teams weren't willing to give up enough or or whatever. And maybe and he's still got several years left on his contract. So it's not like uh, Chicago is almost done with him. Um, I don't think the situation there is enough that they could end up releasing him just to save cap space. He is at an out point in his contract where they could release him and save money, but he was so productive last year. I just can't imagine that that's what they would want to do. So I think the realistic expectation here is for some kind of trade. And uh, I don't see a contract restructure after that um, because it's it's not a terrible deal for the rest of the deal. I mean, I looked at it briefly yesterday. I didn't go into it real carefully, but um, I, I don't see this as a situation where the Chiefs trade for him and, and restructure his contract for, you know, five years or something. He's, the man's 30, 31 years old, I think, 30 maybe. Um, but um, he could be a real force on the chiefs offensive line. And if he's really unhappy in Chicago, 
maybe they would uh, they would make some kind of a deal, some kind of a trade. This, is, this would I be mean, very interesting to watch. You know, what's crazy about it, he's 31, and he had 18 and a half sacks and 34 pressures, quarterback mm-hmm. pressures last year. Yeah. You shaved 10 off. Let's say he's a year older. You, sh- you, you shave 10 off of each of those numbers, and it's still among the best, if not the best, of the Chiefs yeah. defensive line, yeah. which mm-hmm. A, says a lot about the player, and B, unfortunately says a little something about the the chief's defensive line but if he were to become a, a available and you know not really want to be part of what is a clear rebuilding in chicago why not have polls call up beach get some picks and continue to build while the chiefs get a player that you know very clearly would be interested in at the age of 31 in winning a super bowl ring because the chiefs are of course going to be in super bowl convention so well i i think it's interesting it'll be interesting to watch i just think that the Chiefs are at a place now where they're not going to be giving up draft picks to get veteran players, particularly veteran players near 30. And I, I've been saying this ever since the Mahomes deal was signed. We're going to have to get used to the idea that they're going to be building through the draft, that free agency is not going to be as important as it once was. Right. Um, there's still going to be some free agents that come in. Uh, but we're not going to be giving up draft picks to get them, I think, generally right. speaking. And so that's the only reason I would say that this might not happen, that we might instead well, uh, see somebody like Okafor coming back. One, one of the reasons you know, the Chiefs made the tight Hill trade was so that they could be more active in free agency next year. I, Brett Beach has been on record mm, in saying that. that. Yeah. So. I think it's a healthy combination. It, it, you know, I, I think this idea that Brett Fleet Beach floated out uh, this off season with the draft of, of being selectively aggressive will translate to the draft, of course, and then free agency. I, I don't think they're going to go spend a ton of money each year in free agency, but if there's a player that they identify as a, a blue chip player, an elite player, I think now they have the money to go get them where if they had spent all that money in Tyreek, you would, as Veach has alluded to, you'd be really handicapping the defense quite a bit. So I wonder if they make this move, and I wonder what it would cost. I, I wonder how many picks it would cost. It feels for, you know, it's always less than we think in the NFL when we're playing <laughs> yeah. Madden GM. Yeah. So in my mind, I'm like 18 and a half sacks. That feels like a second rounder. But in reality, I wonder if it's a late third or maybe like a high fourth or maybe a pair of picks two thirds two thirds two fourths something like that a few picks that are in the later rounds or something like that to, to get control of quinn uh you know you always want to try to get something if, if a player is simply not going to play for you you always try to get something for him to to build for the future and i like ryan poles i think he's really smart so if he identifies that and you know wants picks why not call up your your mentor in a sense brett b sure and see if you can get yeah. a deal done certainly right. there's a dialogue available between them right Let's go to the AP Editor Show Twitter poll that we posted this morning. We have 2,000 votes. Which Chiefs wide receiver records the most receiving yards in 2022? We had Nicole Hardman, Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, or someone else. John, what do you think happened with this poll? Hmm. Um, I'm going to go with Juju, I think. That's right. 46.5% of fans, so about half the fan base, believes Juju Smith-Schuster will lead receivers in receiving yards next is marquez valdez scantling 31.1 so about a third of the fan base less high on mccall hardman no one thinks that mccall hardman is going to have this breakout receiving year 14.3 uh, percent 
And then someone else, all those Justin Ross fans, uh, come in at 8%. So I think that <laughs> is is reasonable. I, I think, you know, when we're just polling all of our Twitter fan base, you know, 200,000 plus, it's, it's a lot of fans that it, that are casual sometimes. And I, I think the name, of course, Smith-Schuster, you know, stands out. Sure. I, I don't yeah. know how many what would be considered casual Chiefs fans at this point have read up necessarily on what Marquez has been doing in the offseason, or maybe they have read it and shut up, Pete. Uh, we don't care about these <laughs> practices and shorts. We still think Juju's going to do it. So uh, interesting poll. And I, I think what I find most interesting and regardless of who you think is going to lead the chiefs receivers and receiving yards is that man, it it's pretty varied. We always used to know it, it would be like 95% Tyreek, right? And right. Here's mm-hmm. the fact that there's yeah. just a disagreement is, it makes for a more interesting 2022 and, and we'll see who emerges from, from that group. All right. Well, we've reached the end of this. So I've been talking about it the whole show. This is the off season finale of the AP editors show. We'll be taking a, a little bit of a break here to accommodate for vacations, a little R and R recharge, get ready for the season and come back with the next editor show on July 20th. I do want to say this, though, if something like the things we were talking about, Orlando Brown signs his contract or he just says, I'm going to go on the tag, or if the Chiefs do go and get a veteran defensive end, a splash signing, we will continue to have emergency podcasts where you will hear from John or myself or both of us, just depending on, on who's available and when these things break on and to get some some instant breakdown of, of the, that type of stuff but as far as the weekly editor show we will resume on july 20th so john i just want to say as, as we take a little bit of a break here it's it's been a pleasure doing this with you my friend oh always i i've loved being a part of this and and i i hope the listeners have enjoyed listening to the two of us yammer about this stuff right figure things out together pretty much as, as right. we talk talk through <laughs> yeah. things. thank you to steve serta in the background of course thank you to john dixon for a really great stretch of shows can't wait to to resume this on july 20th if you like the arrowhead pride editor show if you like our arrowhead pride podcast network please leave us a rating and a review i want to come back july 20th and i want i, I want to be be able to do a whole show of just reviews if you can leave like 15 to 20 <laughs> Steve, we'll do a special review podcast in between so we don't have to take up the whole Arrowhead Pride editor show. But yeah, leave us some reviews. Uh, there are other shows that'll be ongoing without a structure and the Great British Chiefs show. Show and BK will have some shows. Might throw in some interviews at a certain point. So we're looking forward to getting back. And again, thank you to Steve. Thank you to John. Thank you for listening to the Arrowhead Pride editor's show.